I love the idea of the journey. Like, so whenever our clients come into the remarkable practice, we always, we give them in a warm embrace and say, okay, we're on a journey together. Let's begin. Right. So, and you know, we talk about the four seasons of the chiropractic career launch, build, scale, and exit. This is the journey. This is the ascension. Hello, and welcome to the remarkable CEO podcast, a show dedicated to chiropractors who want to transform their job into a business so that they can have a remarkable practice as part of a remarkable life, not instead of one. With your hosts, Dr. Pete Camiolo and Dr. Stephen Franson. Welcome to another episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. I'm Dr. Pete Camiolo. And I'm Dr. Stephen Franson. And it's an honor to be with you here. We are in the midst of a series we call the clinicoscopy, and today is a vital subject matter for all remarkable CEOs, and that is we are discussing your team. We know that in order for you to truly scale your business to go from owner-operator to CEO, we use this thing called leverage. We talk about leverage, and one of the key elements to doing it well is you've got to have an A players. You have to have an A team, and so we are going to get into this today. We know that the top doctors in the industry of chiropractic, this is something that you have to get right. You must get this right. It's the key really to creating scalability and durability, which are key attributes of the remarkable CEO and the remarkable business. We have, again, been in a series. So if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, I would encourage you to go back and listen. We started this series talking about your marketing. We talked about how do the top doctors market talked about that. We did an audit of the marketing of your business, how the top doctors market. The second thing we did in the series, we talked about sales. We talked about your conversion process and how do the top doctors in the industry convert. We talked through that. So again, go back and listen to that series, this series, if you haven't listened to those episodes. And then our last episode, we talked about the retention. So how do the top doctors retain patients. And what does that look like? We talked about the criteria. We've broken it down to 25 criteria or 25 attributes, ways to measure and document if you are a top doctor. Do you meet the standard? And we asked you to score yourself. We also asked your team to score you. So we're going to continue with that theme when it comes to building a team and having the top doctors, how the top doctors build a remarkable team. And with that, we also want your team to get into this and we want them to also fill out the questionnaire. So part of this episode is we're giving you another tool. We've been giving you tons of tools. Dr. Francis, we're giving out tons of tools during this series. And the reason why is because it's so important to get this right. And uh, so again, with this episode, you'll see attached, there is a document that you can get called the Team Building Clinicoscopy. This is the 2021 edition. It is hot. It's fresh. Again, we've just scrubbed these again just to make sure they are relevant for you right now. So please uh, make sure you download this, print them off, distribute them to your team, and have everyone fill this out and bring it together as a team and discuss this. This one is going to be so important for all of you. There's so much richness in this initiative. So I want to make sure that we double back and I want to give you guys some framing for why we ended up doing this clinicoscopy process. So we were approached by this digital expert marketing team that, you know, essentially helped us understand and appreciate how critically important it was to be ranked number one on search, right? So if you Google chiropractor in Beverly, Massachusetts, who comes up number one, you know, I knew that that was very, very important, but I had no idea how important it's actually become, right? So especially, I mean, it was important before COVID, but it's after 2020 with what we've all been through, how the marketplace has shifted, how they find their resources, right? How do they find their experts? And, you know, more than ever, people are turning to search, right? So it's, it, you know, what we discovered or what we learned in this conversation was on average, 43% of the leads go to the person that's at number one. <laughs> it's like, what? Are you kidding me? It's like, all of a sudden, this became super crystal clear to me that it, for the good of humanity, right? So for the benefit of chiropractic, right? So we want to make sure that the right person is ranked number one, <laughs> you know, and when it comes to search, right? So like all of a sudden it became super clear to us that it's like, 
man, it's really important that when people are looking for who is the best chiropractor in town, they're not just finding who's the best marketer in town, right? So who's the person who's specifically best at digital marketing or even more specifically, they've optimized to the point where they are coming up number one on Google search, right? So for example, so we started to think to ourselves like, you know what, what would it take for us to assign somebody the number one status? Like what, what would that practice look like? What would the doctor or doctors look like? What would their team teams look like? Well, how would they market? How would they convert? How would they retain? Like, so what would their team building processes and culture look like? What would the financial picture of that practice? In other words, if we got to choose who was the number one chiropractor in town, what would they look like, right? So on paper, so we have a clinicoscopy process that we use when we are working with a new client to identify, you know, what are the opportunities for growth? What's the low hanging fruit? Where are the places where we can get early traction and growth for them, build momentum, right? And then of course, you know, go through their practice with a fine tooth comb, you know? So this clinicoscopy process, and you can picture what the report looks like that we generate. It's got the rubber glove with the hand stretched, <laughs> stretching out the rubber glove. And it's really, it's a deep dive and we really find out what's going on in there, right? So we put together this clinicoscopy to accomplish, you know, that kind of insider auditing process for the domains of a practice to find out where's the opportunity for growth. And we say, you know what, this is a perfect lens through which to look at this initiative. You got to say, let's do this clinicoscopy saying, what would the number one practice look like? So I want you to hear that. I want you to consume all this content that way. I want you to bring that to your team and be able to say, how are we doing? Let's take a look at our marketing. Let's look at our attraction. Let's look at our sales process, our conversion. How are we doing with our patient retention and really creating, you know, understanders that turn into lifelong consumers of chiropractic care? Who patients who look at chiropractic as a lifestyle success strategy for healthy human beings, right? How are we doing in our team building culture and our skills behind team building? And then of course, the financial picture of the practice, right? So there's your lens. That's how we want you to look at the series. And today we're going to be zooming in specifically on how the best chiropractor in town, how the top chiropractor would be building a world-class team. This subject is so important, Dr. Steven. I can't emphasize enough to all of you who are listening how important this is. Guys, you know, the market for chiropractic, the marketplace, uh, the need for chiropractic has grown more than ever before. It is absolutely vital that we are building remarkable businesses, that we are firing on all cylinders with all these domains. It's absolutely critical. It's not a good idea. It's essential. It's absolutely critical. I cannot emphasize this enough. I spend my life in chiropractic offices, so to speak, working with docs, working with their businesses. Dr. Steven, you're doing the same. We are in it. And I'll tell you that it is so vital to get this right. It's so vital not to miss any element that we talk about. These criteria that we come up with are not just something we come up with out of thin air. These are the things that matter when boots hit the ground. When you talk about your traction or conversion or retention, now your team, these are the things that matter. Every point he, you know, Dr. Steve and I were talking about, you know, we looked at the list of 25 and he was like, pick your top two or three. And I'm like, all of them. Right. So right. the reality is, is I couldn't, you know, but we had to, he's like, well, if you had to highlight one or two, what would they be? You know? And so we're going to highlight a few today, but all of them is my answer. All of them. Right. So, and it's really been the same for all of the, the this whole series is I'm like, wow, that, well, that, but this is really important because if this doesn't happen, then the next one, it doesn't matter. Right. So there's a building, it builds on itself. And so Dr. Steven, I, I can't emphasize enough that for all of you who are listening, do this exercise. Don't just listen. Because a lot of times with the podcast, you can become passive. Like it's very listening. I consume this. And then we move on to the next podcast that you listen to and on whatever day of the week you listen to podcasts, right? Please don't do that. Like we actually are giving you a tool to use for specifically this series, actually, that is actually something you could do that'll transform your practice. Just giving you visibility into wow, this is where we rank, so to speak, on out of 100, a score of 100, we are scoring in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 50s, 40s, 90s. I don't know where you're going to score, but categorically looking at that and being able to identify, one of the things we talk about the CEOs is one of your objectives of your position is to determine what's important now, what's important next. And the value of a resource such as the clinicoscopy is as a CEO, you can sit down with your COO analyze your business domain by domain, look at the criteria and say, out of the 25, we had, you know, 
where do we score three or four? And then where do we score onesies, twosies, and three, you know, ones and twos and zeros and say, okay, next quarter, we know one of our projects needs to be as a company. We need to focus as an organization on these areas of ones and twos in the area of conversion or whatever the category is. So this isn't just, we did it. It was a good conversation and we put in a file, we move on. No, no, no. This becomes the business plan and objectives and the priorities for the next 12, 18, 24 months of your business. And you go after it one quarter at a time and you drill down layers deep into each one of these and say, we are going to become proficient in these areas. We are going to become more masters in this. We're going to get a four. We're going to score. We're going to get our up. We're going to be threes and fours only. That's where we're going to be. And so the goal is that this is the beginning of a 12 to 18 month, 24 month projects for you and your business moving forward as CEO to say, this is where we're going to focus and we're going to develop a fluency. We're going to develop a mastery. We're going to develop fitness in these areas of our business. Dr. Steven, I, I can't emphasize that enough that this is that important. I love the idea of the journey. Like, so whenever our clients come into the remarkable practice, we always, we give them a warm embrace and say, okay, we're on a journey together. Let's begin. Right. So, and you know, we talk about the four seasons of the chiropractic career launch, build, scale, and exit. This is the journey. This is the ascension. This here is the clinicoscopy is a tool that we use to, like you said, continually audit the practice through the process. So it highlights exactly what should we be working on, which is going to move us forward on that journey. So I want everybody to just take a breath and recognize that this is a scoring system that you should be checking yourself and doubling back every quarter and checking in. How are we doing now? What has happened to our score? What should we be focusing on? Let's put that on our project planner, right? And let's just tick these things off. Guys, remember, CEOs take a three-year view of their business, right? So take a breath, give yourself some grace, and recognize that this is going to be a project that's part of the journey of you moving gracefully and properly profitably across and through the ascension of the four seasons, right? So let's get after it. Today, we're talking specifically about team building. So if you have it on the ready, print this thing out and be ready to score yourself zero to four, right? Zero is I strongly disagree with that statement. One being I disagree with that statement. Two being I'm neutral on it. Three is I agree with that. Four, which is the best score, which would be I strongly agree with that, right? So here's the first one. So we get 25 of these. We're going to unpack a handful of them. So number one, we have a clear and current version of our organizational chart, right? So an organizational chart or an org chart says, this is how our business is structured. In other words, if I looked at a traditional org chart, I would see, okay, I see the positions. I've got a clinic director. I've got an office manager. I've got somebody who runs marketing. I've got chiropractors who deliver chiropractic care. I've got somebody who runs the team. And then I've got an administrative person, right? So that might be an org chart. The org chart says, this is how our business is organized or our business is structured, okay? It talks about all of the different positions or roles in your business. So the question is, do you have a clear and current version of your org chart? Zero, if you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. One being, yeah, we have one, but it really is old and wonky and it doesn't represent our current business. Two is, I'm not sure. I think it's we're pretty close. Three would be, yes, we do. Four is totally, we're nailing it. We just went through this exercise. We just updated it. Going into the new year, I know that it's airtight. Dr. Steven, I'm glad that you, you just stopped right here because for me, this was one of the most important revelations I had with really going from that owner operator to that CEO. It started actually through the lens of having an organizational chart. I never really thought about my business that way. I, I guess I thought about chiropractic business more in a, maybe a linear fashion. I never really th thought about it in a fashion as an organizational chart where there's this communication uh, flow of data that goes up and down and cross. And, and the value of an organizational chart really transformed my understanding and, and how I ran my business. So if this is actually new to you, brand new to you, like it was to me, I don't know how many years back now it's been, probably six years ago. I, it was the first time I really began to embrace this concept of an organizational chart and bring it into a chiropractic setting specifically. Now, org charts has been around for a long time, but I never applied it to a chiropractic business. And when I did do it that way, man, it really transformed everything. And so I encourage you to look at that. And Dr. Steven, you talk about how the word specifically is clear and current. Those are two things. Both those words are in the definition here. Clear, that's important. And I would have to say, is it clear to you and is it clear to your team? Okay. 
clear? Are you clear? Are they clear? And is it current? which is up to date. And so many of us have had changes. So maybe you've got to dust off your org chart because you haven't looked at it in six months. So those would be two things that I would just encourage you to do. Keeping your org chart current and clear is absolutely essential. And again, that leads into the second, which is we have a clear and current version of our accountability chart. Now, the accountability chart is how my business functions, right? So if the organization says, this is how the business is structured, the accountability said, this is how the business functions, or this is how it works. This is how we make it work. And it works through the accountability chart. And again, this is an understanding that every role has objectives and every objective leads to an outcome. And this is our business and how it works, how it functions. So with the, you cannot have a clear accountability chart in current if you don't have a clear and current org charts. That's why you have to start at the organizational chart first For example, I'll have a doctor that I work with that a CA gets replaced or they move somebody from one position to another. And now you have one person moves into a position and now they're they're running the whole front desk, whereas you used to have two. Now you are down to one because you lost one and then one moved to a different position. I mean, think about guys, this happens all the time in chiropractic practices. This is always, there's always moving of the people on the team. This happens. So, but if you don't see the movement through the lens of your organizational accountability chart, what ends up happening is team members get burnt out, balls get dropped, things stop getting done that need to get done that are essential for the business. You're like, when do we stop doing recalls? When do we stop, you know, doing this, you know, gifting program that we always did when people were resigning. What happened to that? And it's like, oh, well, when this team member left and we transferred over, we didn't, we never carried on that, those are things. And next thing you know, you're a year in and you're like, how come all retention is falling off track? How come, you know, people aren't getting gifting anymore? And you're wondering what happened. It's little, these are, I'm bringing up two small things, but they're big things. But where do those things happen? It happens because we never updated the organization on the accountability chart. Dr. Franson, this is so important Because again, the business, it hinges. That's why these are the first two on the list because it starts here and it always comes back to this. Go, well, let's pull back out your org chart. Let's look at the accountability chart. Always go back to here. We start and stop. These are the beginning and the end ultimately. Yeah, I mean, you hear us say over and over again, the CEO's job is to build a world-class team, right? So to go from having a job to having a business, you have to build a world-class team. You've got to get smaller relatively as your team gets bigger. And I mean bigger in their responsibilities, not just in their headcount. I'm talking about them taking into roles. So, you know, it comes down to the four rights, gang. It's getting the right people in the right seats, doing the right work the right way. So I'm going to say that right again, getting the right people, which we'll unpack in a second, into the right seats, the roles on your team, doing the right work, what's important now, the right way, which implies you're training them up, right? So right people in the right role, doing the right work the right way, you have to have an accountability chart to be able to do this right. So when you take an org chart and you flesh out the job descriptions in three to five bullets, you take an organizational chart and you turn it into an accountability chart. Because the accountability chart says, if you're in this role or what we call a function of this business, you have these responsibilities organized underneath this function. Okay. So if you're in the function of check-in CA, or you're in the function of check-out CA, or you're the function of back office CA, office manager, new patient concierge, caregiver, associate doctor, whatever the function is, whatever role you're playing, there are responsibilities or a job description, a bulleted job description that's organized underneath that role. Now you have an accountability chart. It clearly shows who is accountable for this very specific activity, right? So we all know the expression, everyone's responsible, one person's accountable. Everyone needs to go back to the accountability chart and say, okay, whose job is it, right? So now we have our accountability chart. And I, you know, Dr. Pete, we love our sports analogies, but I love how baseball does this, right? And so when you're, it's, it's talking baseball, right? You have positions or roles or functions on a baseball field, right? So you got a pitcher, you got a catcher, first base, second base, shortstop. You've got a third baseman, the hot corner, right? You got right fielder, center fielder, left fielder, right? So there are functions on the baseball team, right? There's those nine players that are out on the team, are out on the field. Now, each one of those positions or functions comes with a set of responsibilities. And each of those responsibilities has an if-then scenario attached to it. You know, for example, if the ball gets hit into the right fielder, right? So into right field, the right fielder is responsible for fielding that. But 
the second baseman becomes the cutoff man and the shortstop covers second base. So now everyone knows if this, then that. If the ball gets hit into left field, the left fielder is responsible for it. Right? They're accountable to covering the left part of the field. Well, in that situation, the shortstop then becomes the cutoff man and the second baseman has to cover second base. So it's like, if then. So those scenarios, everybody in the field knows exactly what's going to happen at the crack of the bat. How awesome is that? Like this, that's just the manifestation of everybody understanding. We got the right person in the right role, doing the right work the right way. And everybody can act because they know not only what are they responsible for, but what is everybody responsible for? And oh my gosh, all of that comes out of, that's the fruit of having a clear and current accountability chart. And that leads to the, the number three criteria here, which is we have well-defined roles and descriptions. So this actually means that it's written down and it's written down it's captured, it's documented, it's then able to be transferred to another person. And then they're able to be held accountable to that. They know what their roles are. They know what their role and the responsibilities are. And the the description of that role, really important to have all this defined. So it's impossible for me to be able to find the person that I, let's call it the right person, if I don't know even what the role is that I'm trying to fill. And so a lot of times in chiropractic, historically, we've just, we try to find somebody who, you know, is a good fit and we try to get them in. And then once they get there, we're like, well, let's just see where they fit best. We'll try to kind of see what you guys, what you do best and see if, you know, we can find that a spot for you, you know, cause I really like you. So we'll bring you on board. Yeah. I really like you. I like your personality. I like your energy. You seem excited about, you know, the chiropractic. You got a big smile on your face. You're a people person. You're not a felon and you're interested. You're hired. Right? This exactly. is like the worst way to hire anybody. And that's a great disservice to the person. You know, I think at the end of the day, we've all been down that path. We've all been there guilty as charged and we've learned. That's why we have scar tissue and we've learned and we said, you know, we can do a better job. So that's the third uh, criteria is we have defined roles and job description for each function of the business. And so, like you said, as your business grows, even as your number of your people on your team increases, the job descriptions become more even clearly defined because what used to be a larger job now might get broken down into two roles, two jobs, right? So, because as the business grows, that can happen. So you've got department, you know, leadership, and then you've got individuals with that work within each of the departments or domains, which again, you'll see if you look at the organizational accountability chart, you'll see what I'm talking about there. So that's all there. So that's the third key is that you have well-defined roles and job descriptions. Now I'm going to go through a couple concepts here, Doc, and I'm going to throw it back to you. Numbers four, five, and six. Number four is we have the right people on our team. We call them A players. We're going to define what that is. And actually what defines somebody as an A player is number five, which is we have the right people on our team share core values. One of the first criteria to a person being considered an A player, one of the first, which is are they the right person? Okay, so the first right we've got to get right, is it the right person? And one of the first criteria we have to make sure that we share is we share core values. If you don't share core values, it's a showstopper. Don't move forward, right? Just stop right there and move on to the next person. It's not worth it because once you, even if all the other stuff, quote unquote, is on point and you bring on somebody that is misaligned with your business and company core values, trust me, at the end of the day, it will not work. And so the goal is to, again, find people that share your core values. That is a criteria to the right people. The first right of the four rights to get right is that, number one, we won't settle for less than A players. And one of the first criteria to determine if this is an A player is they share our core values. That's the first. There's more criteria, but that's number one. So even as you think about your business right now, the question I would ask you is, do you know what your core values are for your business? Do you have your business core values written down, documented, defined? Do you use your core values when you do your interviewing process? Use your core values with your hiring. Do you use core values when you meet with your team members quarterly? Uh, Are you using that and seeing them through the lens of how you behave? Remember, our core values are how we behave. It's how we, we demonstrate our core values, not things we talk about or aspire only to. This is a standard with which we set that we are being held accountable to all of us, yours truly included, right? CEOs included. And then of course, the sixth is we have the right people on our team, which means they buy into the vision story. So the criteria of the right people or the right 
people that first write is they share our core values, they buy into the vision story. Now, the buying into the vision story is also a critical piece here because, again, many of us have had a vision for our business and it kind of, let's put it this way, it has a shelf life and it's expired. And when we are looking at bringing a new person, we have to have a clear vision of where we're going next and ultimately so that we bring the right person in to where we're going next. We don't hire a person for now. We hire them for next and ultimately, we're bringing somebody in to help us go to the next part of our business as our business continues to grow. So this is a really important thing. If you're bringing a right person onto the team, is that they actually, when they hear the vision story, they catch them, right? So caught, visions are caught. They, they get caught up in it and they say, I want to be a part of that. I want to go on that journey with you. I want to go in there and I want to use the gifts and talents and passion and purpose that I have to help you and this organization go there. That's aligned with the vision story. So now I have, I'm getting closer saying, yes, is this the right person? If they meet those criteria where we're on the right track. Okay, let's take a quick break and talk about Cairo Matchmakers. Cairo Matchmakers will help you find the right person for the job. If you're looking to hire the ideal chiropractic assistant, Cairo Matchmakers will help you find the specific person missing from your team so that you can get back to using your talents to serve more people. Or if you're looking to hire the ideal associate doctor, CMM can help. Cairo Matchmakers helps chiropractors like you find the ideal associate doctor to unlock your practice potential and get you the freedom that you desire. To learn more, go to chiromatchmakers.com. CLA has been a transformative influence in the chiropractic profession for over 25 years, creating scanning technologies that detect the impact that subluxations have on the nervous system and the power that adjustments have to unlock the healing potential. The insight scanning technology that delivers a core score report brings the spine and nervous system to life so that patients can see the changes and so you can make chiropractic real to them. It makes the invisible visible. It's the most cost-effective, standardized approach using objective findings to build confidence in your patients, allowing you to design customized, clinically relevant care plans. CLA clients don't guess. They test and report effortlessly. Scanning is no longer considered an option. It's the centerpiece of virtually all great attraction, conversion, and retention practices. To learn more, visit our website, insightcla.com. That's insightcla.com. And you can reach CLA directly by emailing Lisa Marie at insightcla.com and get the full story at insightcla.com forward slash new patient masterclass. And now let's jump right back into our conversation. It's an interesting dimension that the second component brings to this, right? So core values, these are a forearm tattoo, right? So people either have your core values or they don't, right? They share the core values or they don't, right? So to be able to say, Pete, welcome, you know, to the office, I'd love, you know, you're coming in for an interview for this position, what have you, you know, we're going to start with, I'm going to talk to you about the core values of this organization, because this is the important piece. This is what you can expect from me and everyone on this team. And this is what would be expected from you by everybody on this team, right? So when we start to list out our core values of we are mission-driven, we are servant-hearted, we hustle, we get shit done, right? So it's like, we are, I'm listing for you the attributes, the DNA of this organization. And I say it this way, this is what you can expect from me and from everyone on this team. And this is what everyone on this team would expect from you, right? So you just got to get them, hit them right between the eyes. Core values aren't marketing fodder where we think we're going to attract new patients because we have this on our website or it's on, on the wall in your waiting room, right? So core values are an inward facing conversation. You hire and fire by them, right? So this is how you decide what makes up the fabric of your team. It's going to be an expression of your core values. So that doesn't change. The core values don't come and go in a person's life. Vision stories have seasons, right? And so do teams, 
right? I like to think that people are with us for a reason and for a season, right? So for your team, I always said, people are going to come into my team. They're going to be here for two years or 22 years, right? So I know that God lights our path with people. And in our practice, we saw that some people would come for two years, they'd get inspired, they'd go back to school, or they'd start their own business, or they'd go on to the next thing. We'd inspire people. Other people, they would catch the vision, like Dr. Pete said, of now and next. They knew what we were setting out to do, right? So they catch the vision for now and next. For others, they are with us for a season. And they said, you know what? I loved the vision when I started. I've been here two years, five years, eight years, what have you. And I see that I've lost the spirit of the next iteration of this business. Like, like I can tell you, Pete, I had a really painful experience in practice when, you know, we were shooting, we we're trying to hit the thousand a week mark. And I can remember my second CA that started with us, who was my second hire with us from the beginning. I don't know, we were at 50 a week, made it all the way to like 750 a week with this awesome human being. She was right at that front desk. But then she started pushing back and fighting me on every single thing. And this went on for like a year. This person was like a sister to me, right? Loved her dearly to this day, love her. But I started to see there was a real rub here. And the rub, the core values were still there, but she had lost the vision. She had lost sight of the vision of where we were going. And at one point when it just kind of came to blows, I pulled her aside and I wanted, I was questioning what's going on. And she looked at me and she said, what is it with you in this thousand a week thing? Right. She goes, and she looked me right in the eye and said, I liked this better when we were at 500 a week. And I just looked at her and I smiled and I gave her a hug and I'm like, you got to go. You got to go. It's time. Right. So she knew it. She was just waiting for me to release her because she knew we were going there because the vision wasn't about me. It was much bigger than us, our team, our practice. And it was not for us to limit God and what he was doing in our practice. And I was like, I would like to go to 5,000 a week if we can figure out how to do that and serve these people, right? So there's no way we're ever going to get close to that if the person at the front door at the front desk is thinking, man, I used to like us when we were smaller and it was time for her to go. I mean, this conversation, what you just shared, I already know is a showstopper for a lot of folks that are listening right now. So again, Dr. Steven, this is why we said, this is why I said, you said pick one or two. And I'm like, well, I can't, it, they're all so important. Each one of these is so critical, so vital. And we're only to, through number six guys of 25. Can you see how valuable and how important each one of these criteria are that we're saying you've got to score yourself on this? You've got to rank and rate because, again, where you're going next and ultimately from here and how you're going to be doing things right now really depends on this. So that is so powerful. And that leads to the seventh, which is we have the right people in the right roles. Let's talk about the right roles now. So if you've got the first thing right, so the right person, which means they share your core values, buy into the vision story. So that's the first step. The second step is that the right people now are in the right role. So what's the right role? And so borrowing from Gino Wickman, he said the right role is defined by, do they get it? Do they want it? Do they have the capacity to do it? And this is really important. So when you expose the role, when you share the role, this is the role that I need. This is the function in the business that needs to get done. And it needs to get done at the highest possible level. This is my expectation for how the performance of this role will be being done. This is the the reason why this function in the business is essential to us being able to save lives in this community. And after, so once you've, you've cast the vision, you've shared the values, you, you present this role, when they look at that role, they look at that role and they say, give it to me. I want that. I got that. I can do it all day long. Like that's my lane. Like that's my jam. That's my heart. That's my passion. Like, can I, like, I'm hungry for that, right? I love, uh, even Patrick talks about hungry, humble, and smart. They're hungry when they see what you're presenting as far as the role. They say, I want to do that. That's what gets me fired up. You know, this is what I'm interested in. So gets it, wants it as the capacity to do it. Gets it actually has to do with proficiency. Like they actually understand what needs to be done right? So there's a proficiency skill set level here that they just possess the ability to get it. It's not saying that we don't need to be trained, but it, it is saying, actually, it's not saying that at all, but it's saying, I get what needs to be. And I understand I have a, a skill in that, whatever the responsibilities and roles require. The second thing is they want it, which actually absolutely has to do with passion, has to do with interest. It has to do with you know, I'm eager to do that type of work. Like that's aligned with what makes me fulfilled and happy. I, I know I, I can succeed at that. And then the capacity is, 
you know, that I actually have the ability to take that on in my life right now. And I can do a really good job with that role. And as it continues to grow, which we will grow, that I can grow into it even more. So I have capacity to take that on. I have the ability to do that work and to do it really well. Cause you can have one of them. You could be G you could get it, but you may not want it and you might not have the capacity to do it. You might want it, but you really don't got it. Meaning you don't have the skill set to do it. And you don't also don't have the capacity at this point in your life to do it because you interview for the job and you realize it's more than you can handle right now. So GWC, each one is its own and they have to have the, they get it, they want it, and they have the capacity to do it. Dr. Steven, I know you want to unpack this one a little bit here too. This is so important for the second right. I mean, if you get back to our baseball analogy, as a CEO, we recognize that God only makes geniuses. It's our responsibility to put everybody in the position where they get to express their genius, right? So that's the essence of it. If you're in the role where you have a genius, you're going to enjoy the work. You're going to be great at it. If you're not hardwired to be great at something, you're going to suck at it and you're going to have poor energy. It's going to drain your energy versus energizing you. And we all know the business is a reflection of your energy. So we're always looking to put everyone in the right role so that they can do the right work the right way. And that comes down to how are they hardwired, right? So back to the baseball analogy. I mean, if you have somebody who's, you know, you lose your pitcher, you know, you've got to go and got to find a pitcher, right? So God only makes pitchers, right? <laughs> like you, you can either throw a baseball 94 miles an hour, or you can't, <laughs> no matter what you could do, no matter how much you practice, train, lift weights, you know, it's like you can coach somebody from 68 miles an hour to 74 miles an hour, but they're never going to throw 94 miles an hour, right? So you've got to make sure you're finding the person that gets it. Do you know what it means to be the pitcher and carry this team? Do you want it, right? Do you want all that pressure and that responsibility? And do you have the capacity to throw a ball 94 miles per hour, 117 times tonight? <laughs> so it's like, literally, it's like you are asking very, very specific questions because you know what the role of pitcher calls for. You know, the attributes, the responsibilities, the type of person with what experience that role calls for. Can you say the same for your team? Grade yourself zero to four. Right. So you got to make sure that you can put the right person in the right role. It implies that you understand what the role is and what the role calls for. Yeah. No, I want to bring this analogy back to the chiropractic setting. We just finished this series on the associate doctor, Dr. Steven. I just want to speak to this directly because we talked about baseball, but it's like if you're a high volume practice like mine and like yours, Dr. Steven, you talked about your practice there going from 750 to a thousand. And, you know, one of the players just wasn't aligned with the vision of that. And first season they were. So if I'm bringing on an associate doctor, I want to bring on somebody who's going to be a caregiver. And I'm like, listen, when you come into my practice, we see a thousand patient visits a week. And I expect you to be able to adjust to 250, 300 people every single week. And this is the type of practice we have. We do subluxation based. We teach families. We do family health and wellness. We do workshops. We really equip people in the three-legged stool. We teach this. And you come in and you're like, actually, no, I love adjusting but I like to spend 15 minutes with 20 minutes with my patients. I like to do a lot of modalities. I don't really love seeing kids, but I absolutely love chiropractic. I'm a really good adjuster. And by the way, your salary that you set, that's also fits. I'm fine with that. So they agree to the money. They tell you that they love to adjust, but they're not going to fit. Why? Because the way that we practice, the model with which we practice the capacity, the expectation that I have, it doesn't fit, right? So, that, Dr. Steven, I know I interrupted you a little bit there, but that, to me, it's like the gets it once it has the capacity to do it really has to do with you got to know exactly what you expect and what you want out of the role so that when you present it to them and they look at it and they can say yes or no, I can or I so won't good. do that. Yeah, that's so important. So I'm going to rip through a, a handful of these here. You guys can see that we could spend a three-day weekend. In fact, we do at our team building immersion. And if you need help with this, if as we're unpacking this, you're like, oh my gosh, this is my worst score <laughs> out of my clinicoscopy series of scores. As you're scoring yourself, you recognize you need some help with this. We'd love to help you. So just reach out to us. You know, we've got the success score down in the show notes below. And there's also a place where you can reach out to us and we'd be happy to jump on a call with you if, if you need us to come alongside you and help solve this puzzle you know, this incredibly complex puzzle of putting together a team. So that being said, we got the right people in the right seats doing the right work, which of course we leverage the tool called the scorecard to say, this is what's important now in the role you're in, the position that you play in this team. This is what we're going to be focusing on these activities. This is how we 
measure these activities. It creates a KPI or key performance indicator. And then we're going to set goals for you. And this is what you're going to be accountable to on your scorecard this quarter. Okay. Next quarter might be something different, but this quarter, this is where we're focusing on. So that's the what's important now question, doing the right work. The right way comes down to training. Okay. So as we look at number nine, it's training. Do you have a training culture? Grade yourself right now, zero to four. Zero is like, we do not train. Four being we crush training and we train like lives depend on it, right? Number 10, we execute trainings regularly. Come on. I know people are going to be exposed on this one. All right. So meaning regularly, I don't mean every quarter, whether we need it or not. I'm talking about every Wednesday from one to three, right? So is it, is it happening on a regular basis in a predictable way? Would, if I looked at your schedule, would it be on your schedule book? And it would say to me, you know, that you need to train like lives depend on it. We say we see patients between trainings. That's how important trainings are. We see patients between trainings. We train regularly. We train effectively, number 11, right? So it's actually driving better outcomes, meaning we're all skilled up, right? We're actually role-playing. When you hear training, you should hear role-playing. We're role-playing so that our skills are actually improving and increasing. We're following a training curriculum, number 12, do you have a plan? Remember, it's assess, plan, prepare, execute, assess, repeat, right? If you want your team to appear, if you want this world-class team to appear, you better be planning and preparing. The way you plan and prepare it is through a training curriculum. Don't leave this to chance. That's where people fatigue and they fall down and they run out, of, they throw their rhythm off and then training stops. Our current team is well-trained at this point in time. Remember, people are with you for a reason for a season. Look at your team right now. Have you been investing in your team the way you used to? Or maybe it's, oh, they've been around so long that we don't train anymore. <laughs> Good luck with that one. All right. We've been around. Everybody here has been around so long. We don't even train anymore. I remember sitting at one point at one of our team trainings, Pete, looking around my front desk and my check-in CA had been with me seven years. My checkout CA had been with me three and a half years. My office manager had been there for 17 years, right? And I'm like, okay, guys, and they're, let's train. And they're like, doc, are we actually going to train on new patient phone call right now? And I'm like, yes, we are, <laughs> right? And of course, what we were doing is we were just, we were doing another lap around the track and making sure that we hadn't drifted from our process and procedure. We hadn't gotten sloppy and dropped things. Well, we hadn't had barnacles that we picked up along the way on the ship that were dragging us down, right? So we wanted to make sure that we were airtight and that everyone was doing the right work the right way. I found that, you know, Dr. Steven, on this note that, you know, we tend to say, hey, we're going to focus more on training with the team, with new team members that come on board. And so we spend a lot of time and energy focusing on training and creating core competency. It's really a part of the onboarding and then getting them into their role. And then once they're trained, we're like, all right, you know, job done, accomplished. That is not it. That's, and so we had a culture just the same as you, where it was, there's always a more excellent way. And we train to discover that. We also know that we can grow, we can develop some habits as we go and we can lose our edge. And so we always knew that we were going to get better. And it's a very similar experience with team members with me for years. And we still train on the most fundamental things. And what I discovered, this is really interesting, but I discovered I had more fun training with seasoned veterans than I did with the newbies. I love training with the newbies, but I had even more fun with the seasons because we could go through an entire, let's call it script, entire thing. And there would just be one little element, but I'm like, and we would all be able to focus in on that and we can make a tweak or an adjustment to something that had a dramatic effect. And we all got fired up about it because we knew that there was mastery, 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 drop the ball, mastery, mastery, mastery. It's like right there. Did you see it? You see it when you played that note? Did you see it? You didn't hit it right. Like right there. So we got to, and then, so we would versus training with somebody who it's like, Every note is kind of flat or sharp. And you're like, well, we got to retune this whole thing. And you're constantly like, well, let's just tune a little bit. I think it's a little bit better. And slowly, we're going to get a little bit better over time. So I'm just emphasizing this at this point, because for some of you may be listening and you're like, yeah, we've got a team of seasoned veterans embracing team training. Mastery is ongoing, right? Onboarding is, that's just the, again, a set period of time. Competency is about onboarding. Mastery is about is an ongoing journey. So with that, we have a clearly defined process and procedure. And our current, well, actually before that, our current team is well-trained at this point in time. That's 13, 14. We have a well-defined process and procedures. You know, this is critical because again, if these things are not defined, 
and they're not being updated regularly, annually, quarterly, however you go after that, then what happens is they become irrelevant. They fall flat and they stop producing. We have a current and accurate procedural manual. Again, this is a blind spot, a missing piece for a lot of businesses. We maybe started and when we open our practice with one, and it's the same one you've been using for 15, 20 years. Is it updated? And we have a well-defined hiring process. Again, we went through a the hiring process pretty in-depth when we went through the Remarkable Associate Dr. Pitfall series here in the podcast. And so if you want to learn more about that, go back to listen to the episode on that, and you'll hear a lot about hiring and doing that process really well. And then number 17, we onboard our new hires and team members well. And Dr. Steven, you say this, you know, onboarding, onboarding, onboarding. Onboarding is wicked hard, but it's worth it. And a lot of times we don't give the energy to and the investment to onboarding. And, you know, it comes back to bite us later on. And again, this is huge, whether you're hiring an associate doctor or a CA, the onboarding process to all new hires and every team member is absolutely essential. The question is, do you have an onboarding system, an onboarding process, a journey that's defined? This is the key to running and building a remarkable business and developing a team and building a team of A players. Again, we hire A players and we train A players. As part of it, being an A player, you want to be trained. You want to be in an environment where you're constantly improving and then with that, we have the resources that we need to prepare for the trainings, and we have it clearly written down the expectation and agreements for each role. Again, that goes back to the scorecard. Again, I'm going through these criteria pretty rapidly here, Dr. Steven, but it's really important that at any one of these points along these 25 criteria of, of an, a team building for your team, is there any area where you're not at a three or before this needs to be addressed immediately to become urgent issues. Exactly right. Each one of these could be a standalone episode. Frankly, I'm looking at these 25 topics. I'm like, it's almost impossible. I'm chomping on my lip not to unpack it any further. So just in the spirit of keeping it moving, number 20 is we utilize clear reporting systems, right? And meeting rhythms. So reporting systems create visibility into the business. Reporting is critical. You can train people and then trust people to do their job, but it's trust, but verify. You've got to verify that they're doing their job well. We started with clear expectations and agreements, set up scorecards and KPIs and goals, but then we have to have written records of performance so that we can actually review. That's a reporting system. So we're now looking at it's written down, right? So, and then we have meeting rhythm set up. So it creates the collisions. It creates the conversations, right? So that we can actually create the accountability that we're looking for as control freak, perfectionist, Clydesdale operator, entrepreneurs. We want visibility into our business. We want accountability because we know that accountability drives productivity, right? So then that leads us to effective and open communications. If you get a meeting rhythms, how's your communication on your team? Oh my goodness, this is a big one. Have you created a safe place where everybody recognizes no one's attached to being right. We're attached to doing the right thing. This is a safe place for us to communicate. Let's talk about exactly what we're doing and how we're doing and how we can continue to serve our purpose and manifest our vision, right? And then we have a well-educated team. Wow, Dr. Pete, is this a big one? Let's make sure that our team operates from this place of certainty, conviction, and clarity because we've really invested in them and making sure that they own chiropractic and specifically the chiropractic paradigm. And then again, you spoke about this so beautifully when you talked about your story of CA who had been with you for years and they lost the vision. And that's, you know, number 24 is our team has a great attitude, spirit, and energy. It wasn't that this person wasn't a great player. It's just there was a reason they were there for a season and that season had come to an end. And I think a lot of times, you know, when you recognize that attitude is so important and the spirit and the energy that keeping your finger on that pulse, that's a really, really important a part of the ongoing monthly meetups and quarterly reviews, checking in with somebody and saying, Hey, I've noticed a little bit of maybe a change. Has there been a change in your energy recently, your attitude, like what's going on? And that's where, again, a lot of times we find out about things that are going on in people's lives, maybe even outside of work, and maybe you can support them and that's going to help them, you know, because they didn't feel like they could bring their, you're supposed to leave your stuff at the door, you know, when you can show up to work, that type of thing. So this is a beautiful time to check in with your team and say, Hey, I have recognized your attitude or your energy is off, or maybe 
maybe what's happening with your spirit. I just don't feel like you've got the spirit for the mission and the purpose that we have. So again, every team member, you know, the, what we're looking for is that everybody has a great attitude, spirit, and energy. And we know that people have up and down days. That's the reality. I, mean, I think we've been there long and been doing this long enough to know. But at the end of the day, that's a critical piece that we've got to nail because energy is what? Everything, right? Energy is everything. Your practice hinges on your energy. And then last is we have a team-driven practice. What does this mean? Well, this simply means this, friends. This means that it's not about you. It's not dependent upon you. It's not the Dr. Franson show. It's not the Dr. Pete show. It's not the Dr. You fill in your name show. You have to choose that. You have to decide. You may actually be driving in the car now and you need to say out loud, it's not the doctor filling your name show anymore. Some of you need to pull over and write that thing down and you need to text it to your spouse and text it to your somebody and be like accountability partner say, it's not the doctor show anymore. And I'll tell you, some of you, even if you're a CEO, it's still been too much your show, too much perfection, too much control, too much of you. And until you see this as our practice is driven by our team and not by me, you will have a me-driven practice. But when you decide enough is enough and this business will be driven by a team, you will begin to get the right people in the right seats doing the right work, the right way. You work, your commitment will be to that because you can't get away with it not being that anymore because it can't all be dependent on you. This is the remarkable CEO podcast. And this has been our conversation on having a team. This has been our discussion today. And we are, we want you to rate yourselves. We want you to pass this out to your team. I want you to do this yourself. Score yourself. Zero to 59 is F. 60 to 69 is D. 70 to 79 is C. 80 to 89 is B. 90 and above is an A. Perfect score is 100. Listen, if you need help with this, as Dr. Stephen, you said, reach out. We're here to help you. This is a big one. This is a big one. When it comes to that scalability, durability, really becoming the CEO, this is where a lot of the challenge comes back and, and it sits right here. It sits right here. We can go back to the attraction, conversion, retention, mod. We look at all of that and say, okay, it's right here. It comes right back to the team. So I'd encourage you, take these resources that we've given you in this series to this point. Take these, print them off, score yourself, have a meeting with your team, communicate together and decide where are we going to go next from here? Where do we need to focus? What's important now? Because this is, it's so important that we get this right. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. Remember, what the world needs now is chiropractic. And what chiropractic needs now is more successful chiropractors. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, share with a friend, and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us personally, direct message us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Now go and be remarkable.